What's up, all you cool cats and kittens? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is, of course, the official beer of DNVR. Right now, it's the summertime, perfect time to barbecue, maybe play a little bit of cornhole. I don't mean to brag, but I'm, I'm pretty dang good at cornhole. Terrible at horseshoes. Played horseshoes for the first time probably since I was like eight or nine years old. This was uh, last weekend, actually, to celebrate my grandfather's birthday. He has a horseshoe pit in his backyard. I'm so bad at horseshoes. I threw a horseshoe through a fence post. Like, I broke the fence. I'm awful. Absolutely awful. But I'm a master at cornhole. And probably just because, you know, it takes less skill. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, everybody knows you can't play cornhole without a beer in your hand. And if I'm playing with a beer in my hand, I got to make it an ice cold Breck brew. Whether that's Strawberry Sky, Avalanche Ale, that's up to you. You can't go wrong with Breck brew. But make sure you check out their 15 can sampler. It's just their best bet for variety. Best option for a party if you're going to have a couple of different people over. Maybe you just want to mix it up. Whatever it is, check out that 15 can sampler. You can get it delivered to you if you live in the metro area through Davidson's. They have two locations, one in Highlands Ranch, one in Centennial. You can also use the Breck Beer Locator, which will tell you the closest liquor store near you with that refreshing ice-cold Breckenridge brews. So yeah, check out Breck. We love them. Shout out to them. Go grab a 12-pack, a 15-pack case. Get a keg. Who cares? Shout out to Breck. Cool, 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 cool. All right, we have kind of a diverse episode today in terms of content. I'm going to be all over the place. Really going to be more like a almost like a daily radio show than a traditional podcast today, just because we're going to be covering so much ground. Uh, But there's just a lot to talk about in the sports world. We're obviously going to focus on CSU in the Mountain West, so we're going to go over uh, Boise State, talk about how that situation compares to CSU. If you haven't been paying attention, they actually had to shut down their entire campus this week, as well as the athletic facilities, because of eight uh, positive tests or presumed positive tests for COVID-19. So I'm going to talk about that, how it compares to CSU. I'm going to go over a couple of players that are actually transferring out from CSU and what that means for the Rams moving forward. Just kind of talk about, you know, who's going to shine, who has an opportunity, I guess, to shine, given that these couple of players are no longer in the mix. And then we're just, like I said, going to kind of go over what's been happening in the sports world, you know, you know the Bubba Wallace situation, uh, Nikola Jokic tested positive for the Nuggets and baseball, the the never-ending emotional roller coaster that has been Major League Baseball. What a what a weird time 2020 is. What a weird time to be alive. But let's jump right on into things. We're gonna lead with the Bubba Wallace situation just because I think it's probably the most relevant in terms of national news, probably the most pressing thing in our news cycle. I'm actually not going to take a ton of time to go over this, mostly just because I'm not a big NASCAR guy, one. Um, I'm not an expert on this situation. It's been weird. It, the, if you missed what happened, basically, the report came out that there was supposedly a noose uh, hanging in his garage, Bob Wallace obviously being the only black racer in NASCAR. This People you know, were really worried about it. I uh, should clarify, Bubba Wallace was not the one that reported this. This was one of his team members. Uh, now it came out today that it turns out it doesn't seem like it was a, a targeted thing. I guess at least that's what the the FBI investigation has concluded, and that has been backed up by NASCAR. 
it is kind of a, a weird deal because they still referenced it as a noose that FBI did, but claim that it's a a pull lever. I don't know. Very, very odd. Uh, but I just have two main thoughts here. One, this is very clearly not a situation like uh, Jesse Sommelier, who very, you know, unfortunately made up an, an entire hate crime incident and, and you know, had all of these people supporting him. And then it turned out he he made the whole thing up for attention. This was not like that. Not even close to a situation. Uh, secondly, obviously, there, this is going to bring out just some loud critics. I think there were obviously people that were skeptical of whether this was legit from the start. And those people, are, I'm sure, are going to use this as ammo. But regardless, I do think it was cool that the rest of the racers came out and supported Bubba because let's face it, you know, whether, whether this incident was targeted at Bubba or not, NASCAR very clearly has a pretty intense history when it comes to, you know, looking the other way with, with racism and discrimination and just some of the stuff that's kind of been an issue in, in their culture, you know, forever. So to see all those racers rally behind him and, you know, push his car to the front and stand with him, it was really symbolic, really powerful. I think that stuff all matters still, regardless of this situation, because, you know, we're in a time where, where change is necessary. So that's just kind of what I feel. That That's my thoughts. That's my two cents on this whole Bubba Wallace situation. You know, I, I would recommend going in and listening to like Marty Smith from ESPN or, you know, somebody that's that covers NASCAR more frequently if you want somebody to really go in depth on it. But I didn't want to talk about it because it was a, you know, a big national story. And it's, it's probably going to continue to be something that gets talked about pretty heavily, at least for, you know, the next couple of weeks. All right, we are going to talk about CSU football and those players that are transferring in just a second. Uh, but just briefly, for a couple of minutes, pity me. And, and let me talk about baseball just for, you know, I almost said uh, a bad word. I almost said a, a phrase that starts with a word and ends with giggles. You can, you can put it together there. <laughs> but... um. What a weird time. You know, I've talked about it before. I'm a big baseball fan. Baseball was my first true love in terms of sports. You know, I got I started watching the Rockies at, gosh, I don't know, like four or five years old. You know, Todd Helton, Larry Walker, all those all those legends, you know, 99, 2000 back then. And I've watched them consistently my entire life. I would say up until 2020, there has not been a summer you know, of my, of my lifetime since I've been, you know, making my own conscious decisions, you know, where I didn't watch at least a hundred Rockies games. And, and that's cutting it short. You know, if we're, if we're really being honest, because in a typical season, there's maybe like five or six games that I don't see any of aside from the blackout games. And, and I listen to those on the radio. So that's how much I normally love baseball. I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I always have been. And I think what's kind of been weird for me is I haven't missed baseball quite as much as I thought I would, especially given that there's literally nothing going on. You know, if you would have asked me a couple of months ago, I really think I probably I probably would have been like, it's going to be devastating to not have a baseball season. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with my free time? And I'm going to be honest, I just. I don't know, maybe maybe it's just because I'm used to it. Or maybe it's maybe it's because, you know, of all, all of the things going on in the world and I've just been, you know, more locked in on, you know, the the protests and 
everything that's happening policy-wise and just the COVID-19 and monitoring that in different states and just everything going on. Maybe all of that has, you know, kind of kept my mind elsewhere. But what a debacle this entire summer has been for baseball because they really, they just had an opportunity to make a lot of people happy. And and I understand that it's a complicated situation. I'm not going to get into the labor dispute or any of that. Uh, generally speaking, I'm I'm pretty much always going to side with the players whenever it's, you know, the players versus the owners because the owners, especially in baseball, have time and time again proved to be, you know, pretty shady. And the fact that they aren't willing to release any of their numbers, but we know, you know, every single cent that the players earn, it, it just makes me skeptical and suspicious of them from the start. But regardless of all of that, it's just been a giant missed opportunity from Major League Baseball to captivate a national audience to get people exciting. Instead, I think you have people like me who are kind of realizing like, ah, do we really need baseball? I'm sure I'll flip-flop on this. Like As soon as baseball comes back, I'm sure I'll watch every game. I'll get hooked again and I'll be like, how could I have ever thought that I could live without this? But I don't know. It's just I think it's just been this entire process of, you know, they're coming back and no, they're not coming back and we want to play. No, we don't want to play. It's it's official, you know, anytime, anywhere. And then it turns out like none of the players union supported it. So it's just been really, really disappointing as a fan. I guess that's my my main takeaway about baseball, this entire process. You know, I'm, I'm disappointed that I don't miss it quite as much because I think it's clear that maybe I don't have the same passion for the game that I used to and years of watching Rockies baseball, I guess I'll probably do it to you. But I don't know, man. It's just weird. I'm, I'm really going to be intrigued to see what type of audience baseball has, especially, you know, when some of the other sports start coming back, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, assuming that, assuming that they, you know, any, all of these sports do come back, you know, are people going to still care about baseball after this entire debacle? You know, the, the crazy sports fan like me probably will. But I don't know. I think the casual fan, the more passive fan, I really do think it's going to impact them. Very similarly to, you know, how the casual fan was probably turned away from the NHL after the lockouts. So, yeah, very, very interesting. Let's uh, 10 and a half minutes in. I guess it's a good time as ever to start getting into CSU. But first, I got to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook. Golf is here. That's right, we have another full weekend of golf ahead of us, and even though the trophy is reserved for the winner, the big cash winnings don't have to be. Tad to the excitement, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. Head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer, including player props, day-by-day action, and even hole-by-hole live betting. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. That always turned me away from some of the other, you know, sketchy sites. DraftKings takes all of that out of it. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 thousand dollars just enter the code dnvr when you sign up only at DraftKings sportsbook must be 21 or older colorado only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match each up to 500 dollars. deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough restrictions do apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details have a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 
I love DraftKings. I really do. I was able to hit not one, but two different parlays during the UFC event over the weekend, both of them featuring our man, DNVR's own Curtis Blades. Shout out to Curtis, man. Helped me make some big money. I actually, I think in terms of what I bet and what I went, what I won, it was one of my most successful UFC, definitely my most successful UFC events ever. Maybe my most successful just individual sporting event because I only bet $15 in total uh, for both of those parlays and I won about a hundred bucks. So really, really, really clutch. Shout out to Raquel Pennington. Uh, shout out to Blades. I'm, I'm trying to blank on the other fighter's name who I also got right. But a uh, shout out to them especially. I'm not a I'm not a genius when it comes to UFC. I, I've never been like a massive fan of combat sports, at least traditionally. But man, the last year, 18 months or so, really the last two years, I guess, I've really gotten into UFC. I had a, a roommate and uh, still one of my best friends in the world. He's absolutely obsessed with UFC. And at first, I was just kind of like, it's it's so barbaric. How do you get into this? And eventually, I just I grew to love the the tenacity, the competitiveness of it. I love just how intense it is. Man, it was a lot of fun. So shout out to Curtis Blades, uh, Trains in Lakewood, Reps DNVR. If you saw on Twitter, I had a picture with him out in Vegas in March. He's a really nice guy. And he was dominant, man. He just absolutely dominated from start to finish. I saw a quote that said Dana White didn't think he was like that dominant or that he talked too much and that he didn't back it up. I don't know what he's talking about because it was five rounds and he was in control for like 23 and a half of the 25 minutes. Set the record for takedowns by heavyweight. I mean, the dude was a beast. But anyways, I got way off track there. Uh, you should bet using DraftKings on UFC. It's a ton of fun. It's, it's helping me learn a lot more about the fighters because I'm doing you know research before the fights because you don't want to bet on something blindly. You can, but it's just probably not going to go well for you. But uh, anyways... Yeah. Love UFC. Love DraftKings. Cool, 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 cool. I guess now is a good time as ever to actually start talking about CSU. I think I've said it twice now that I was going to. But, you know, let's get into it. Malcolm McGee, one-time safety, actually moved to running back last season. Very athletic player. A guy who could really lay the wood has decided to enter the transfer portal this was originally reported by 247, I believe. Uh, Eddie Hers of the Loveland Reporter Herald also confirmed it on Twitter. But Malcolm McGee, a guy who just never really seemed to find his place. Like I said, you know, he was a guy who I think a lot of people were excited about. He could, you know, as a safety, he moved really well, was really physical. Uh, if you look, he actually posted some some videos from practice, and you can see some of the hits that he was able to land covered a lot of ground but in a, in a really in a really stacked defensive back room and there is just a ton of young talent at defensive back it's not shocking that they that he's decided to move on especially you know after moving positions i think that's just something where once you get moved around two three times it just it becomes hard to establish yourself because you're not getting consistent reps at the same position you're having to learn you know different components of the playbook and it just becomes tough. So he's a guy who I expect to have plenty of interest. I'm sure, you know, can go on and be a pretty talented player, but just didn't seem to, to figure it out here. So interesting that McGee has decided to move on. 
Um, another one that actually non-transfer would be the way to phrase this one is Caleb Blake. He posted, I believe back in February, it might have been March, that he had entered the transfer portal. But as of now, still has CSU listed in his in his bio, still listed on the 2020 football roster. So it seems like he may have changed his mind. Don't want to say it definitively at this point, you know, until August comes around, but it really looks like he is going to stick around. And if so, that could be a pretty, pretty big move by the coaching staff getting him to, you know, change his mind on that. There are a lot of, you know, sophomores, freshmen, I think that are redshirt freshmen that are going to be able to contend for playing time. And, and he is one of them. Guy out of Winter Haven, Florida, only played in four games last season, didn't see a ton of action. It was pretty brief. But when you look at what he did in high school, I mean, all he did was put up numbers. I recorded 96 tackles, two forced fumbles, and three picks as a senior. Ended up choosing CSU over Louisville, Georgia Tech, NC State, Pittsburgh, and Air Force. So had a lot of interest, particularly in the ACC. And I just think that when it's all said and done, he is going to be in the mix for playing time, especially at the end of the season. Finally, on the offensive side, it seems that tight end Griffin Hammer has opted to move on from CSU. He's a guy who just couldn't seem to stay healthy. He he really did intrigue me because he was a dude that always seemed to flash in practice. I think Bobo even talked about it at the beginning of training camp last year, his potential and you know, if he could just ever stay healthy, he moved well, had consistent hands. You know, I, I think he was a competent run blocker. I'm not sure he was necessarily a stud, a stud at it, but was a guy who just definitely could have contributed had he been able to stay healthy. And it's unfortunate, but he just could never seem to do it. Um, I do think if he would have stayed, he probably would have been in the mix this year, this time around. But, you know, sometimes you just need to change a scene, whether it's, you know, you're tired of rehabbing. Like, it'll be interesting to see where he ultimately moves on to. Does he try and go somewhere smaller where he can play more, uh, potentially drop down to D2, play right away? We'll have to see. Maybe you get uh, a red shirt because of how much time that he's missed due to injury. But without Griffin Hammer in the mix, I do think it's really going to open things up because I think we're going to see a lot of tight ends play this year. And obviously, without Hammer in the mix, it doesn't really, you know, affect someone like Trey McBride. He's the best tight end in the league. I'd argue he's one of the best tight ends in the country. But for other guys, you know, Cam Butler, Gary Williams, Kyle Helbig, this means more opportunities for them. It's it's not to say that, you know, had Hammer stuck around, he would have definitively been like the number two guy or, or, you know, put up these huge numbers. But I do think he would have at least been in the mix as that second option as a pass catching tight end right behind Trey McBride. So without him, I think... One, Cam Butler, I think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to be, it gives him more opportunities. He's a guy who I've wanted to see worked more into the offense anyways. He's, he's going to be a senior. Over the last three years, he has 49 catches, 550 yards, four touchdowns. But three of those touchdowns came in as a freshman. I only had one over the last two seasons. Part of that is he missed five games last year. So staying healthy is going to be big for him as well. I just feel like it would be a shame if this coaching staff didn't figure out a way to get a versatile guy like Cam Butler into the mix, especially given that you lost Hammer now and, and you have a little bit less depth at the position. I do think Kyle Helbig, uh, red, red, he'll be a sophomore, redshirted last year after playing in three games, I believe. 
I think he's potentially going to be in the mix this year as well. Actually made one start at Fresno State. Great pass catcher, great you know blocker, versatile guy. But I just feel like CSU has had so many tight ends over the years that have had potential and have flashed and then just kind of never quite you know, get optimized fully. You know, Nolan Peralta comes to mind, Keevan Cartwright back in the day, even Crockett Gilmore to an extent. And a lot of these guys have had trouble staying healthy. I think that's just common for tight ends given how physical the position is. But I do think that Cam Butler could be a threat, especially, you know, when they're when they're really keying in on on guys like McBride and Warren Jackson and Dante Wright. It's easy to forget about a guy like Butler and then bam, you know, he he busts you for 15 across the middle or he comes up with that huge first down catch or what maybe he's just a, a great run blocker. I don't know. I just I think it's going to be good things for those other tight ends on the roster. I'm currently working on a more in-depth piece for subscribers, a written piece that's going to kind of talk about uh, Rams coming and going, basically going to talk about some of the guys that are that were on the roster last year and are not on the roster this year, whether that be for transfer, whether you know they just decided to stop playing football, all those reasons. Uh, and then kind of gonna kinda gonna go over some of the new transfers, you know, some of the people that came over from Boston College, Todd Santeo, guys like that. And I think you guys are really gonna enjoy it. So make sure you check that out. Uh, the last thing that I wanted to talk about on the podcast today, though, was just the situation at Boise State because I just think it's a perfect example of how tricky this whole 2020 season is going to be from a logistics perspective. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, Boise State, like CSU, began voluntary workouts at the beginning of June. Uh, The Broncos started on June 8th. And now campus and athletic facilities are already shut down. Not even to July. And the reason being is that eight people on the Boise State campus have tested positive or were presumed to have tested positive for COVID-19. A statement from the Boise State Athletic Department, uh, AD Kurt Aspie was released. I'm very appreciative of the way our department has stepped up to provide the safest environment within our facilities for our entire staff and student-athletes. This is difficult, but our overall goal remains the same, keeping our community, campus, student-athletes, and the staff safe through these challenging times. You know, I'm not I'm not going to be like, see, this is why we're not going to have football or see, this is why it's not going to work because I just with how much money is at stake, I, I really do think there's going to be some form of college football. It's, you know, maybe the, the likelihood of absolutely nothing going wrong seems, I don't know, kind of sunshine-ish or like unrealistic at this point, just given how things can just take a turn so so fast that you know things can can drastically change in, in just a couple of days but what's really interesting to me at least with monitoring this whole situation across the country is you know how many positive tests is enough to force a shutdown i talked about this a little bit with henry chisholm the other day uh, shout out to hank from the buffs beat you know positive tests are inevitable that that kind of feels like a dark way to view it but I mean, it's true. If you put all these athletes together, the, you know, the odds of of none of them testing positive were slim to none. I said that even about CSU. And and I also do think that the players, you know, want to play. They want to be on campus and work out and all that. I really do think, you know, if you took a, a poll that 
way more players than not would be like, you know, we want to be on campus. We want to be doing this with our teammates, our coaches, all of that. But should they? I don't know. You know, like so much is at stake, money, (laughs) reputations, but also, you know, people's lives. And that's that's where it gets really, really complicated, man. I think more or less we've we figured out that this, you know, virus isn't super deadly, at least, you know, for for younger people, especially people that are healthy and good shape and and athletes certainly fall under that category. But even so, it just feels like such a morbid way to look at it, you know, like, well, it's inevitable. They're they're gonna test positive. Like we just gotta push through it. Hopefully it all works out okay. You know, if you're you're the parent, you're the family member of these student athletes, how does that make you feel? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. You know, I'm this isn't even me trying to condemn it, because I think uh, the loss of a college football season, it would be brutal. I, I don't even know what I would do with my time. I just there are so many things to consider, and that's what's really just going to make this whole thing tough from a logistics standpoint. And then, you know, moving forward, how long do these shutdowns last? Boise State, they shut down their campus for the rest of the week. It's, it's shut down through at least Sunday. They're, they're planning on restarting the phased uh, introduction to campus again, you know, once they get the, the go-ahead. But if, if you have to do this, you know, like once a month, once every couple of weeks, is that realistic? I don't know. Do you push the season back? I don't know either because I don't, does that really even help anything? Especially if you have, you know, the potential of a second wave. They're worried enough about it that they've already determined that campuses are basically going to be closed after Thanksgiving. So, you know, if you push it back to where you have more games after Thanksgiving, that seems like you could run into more issues there too. I don't know, man. I just, that's what's so frustrating about all of this. It's just so much uncertainty. And as somebody that is trying to plan this entire fall, it's obviously super annoying from a travel perspective. But even just like trying to figure out like, you know, what am I going to be talking about? Am I actually going to be covering games? Am I going to be covering practices? Am I going to have chances for one-on-one interviews? Is it all going to be Zoom crap? Is it all going to be, you know, group pool where we're getting the same quotes from the same two or three people? I don't know nobody knows right now and i'm getting tired of saying that I, I really am but it's just honest i'm just trying to be honest and i'm you know keeping everybody updated throughout this situation i'm trying to be honest about it i'm trying to be as realistic as possible while still keeping you know a sense of optimism but it does feel like something is going to get impacted at least in some way at the end of the day with so much money at stake i i highly doubt that there's no college football but, you know, the season starting on September 5th, playing it in order every single game, zero complications, that might be wishful thinking. You know, I'm certainly not the only person with CSU ties to have this thought, but you know Colorado, the University of Colorado, would gladly, gladly look for any excuse at all to eliminate a trip to Fort Collins, even even if there aren't fans in the stands. They want to play that game at CSU. No way. They love having their upper advantage. They love getting to play it in a neutral site or at a cushy place like Boulder. They don't want to have to go on the road and you know actually make it a fair series. The funny thing is, is you know, let's say somehow, some way, CU is able to weasel their way out of it. How do you then justify, you know, how, how does CU then come out with a straight face being like, 
oh, it's not safe to play the Rocky Mountain Showdown, and that's why we're not going to go to Fort Collins. And then they go on and you know play like A and M or their their Pac twelve schedule. Would it, it would be safe to go to California, Texas, Arizona, et cetera? But driving thirty five miles across town would be unsafe. I don't know that 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 hasn't even come up yet. I just I have a feeling that something weird is going to kind of come up with that game. I don't know. I'm still holding hope. I've been excited for that CSU CU game for God, I don't know, like four or five years, really, ever since I started thinking about it. I've probably been to about 10 Rocky Mountain showdowns in Denver between media, you know, student, and then just I went to a couple in high school as well. But just the thought of, you know, the on campus rivalry game, pack stands. Just been so excited about it, man. I remember watching the games in Boulder on TV back when I was in like middle school, that 09 game, I think it was. I don't know. I would just be really disappointed if that didn't happen. I know there are there's a lot worse things going on in the world right now. Uh, plenty of things worth worrying about more than, you know, a rivalry game call or even college football in general. But you know, we love it. We love the game. That's that's why you're listening to this podcast. That's why you follow the teams every year. It's it's a big part of our lives. So definitely going to be interesting. I guess the the theme of summer 2020 is I don't know. And life is weird. <laughs> uh, anyways, we'll be back uh, with more content throughout the week. Have some guests that I'm really excited about. Make sure that you subscribe, whether that be Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, all of those. If you listen on Apple, please give us a five-star rating. Leave a comment. If you do, I'll read it on the podcast. I'll read it out out loud. Shout out to y'all. Much love. Wash your hands.